And here is episode 43 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World with Chris Bush. He's a senior manager at the David Lynch Foundation. Uh, the David Lynch Foundation, what is it? It's, what do they say here? David Lynch Foundation for Consciousness-Based Education and World Peace. So, lofty goals, indeed. Um, been thinking a lot about the mind, stress, dealing with the world, the big picture, and I haven't been doing real well myself, and just doing some research into meditation and mindfulness, mindful meditation, whatever terms you want to use, I came across the David Lynch Foundation. And after doing some reading, I definitely wanted to talk to someone from there. And fortunately, I got in touch with Chris. And um, we had a great conversation. I, I will say, admittedly, that I I brought no intensity to this. I was... I just had the the worst day ever, and for no particular reason, no no tragedies, nothing happened. I just the the day was not working for me. Extremely lethargic, uninspired, no creativity, and I I just I I think that I can usually shake it off and um, hit a conversation for an hour, you know, and bring some intensity, at least some focus, but I was just uh, mindless on this. Uh, Chris really carried the weight of this. I thank him for that um, and being so present and um, well-spoken about transcendental meditation and what it means and the work of the David Lynch Foundation. I was careful to not engage in um, talking about David Lynch himself as an artist because I'm a massive David Lynch fan, a huge fanboy. I mean, David Lynch films are, you know, some of the most important films or art, I should say, that that I've ever seen. Um, They really speak to me. They're really important to me. And I, I love David Lynch as an artist. And I did not want to talk about that. That was not the point of this show. I think I steered clear of that effectively. Um, What else can I say? I would encourage you to check this out and let me know what your experience is. Um, I think it's very intriguing, and I I really do hope it's healing minds, especially the minds of children, Um, especially victims, victims of society or, or whatever. So there's that. Um, I, I, I don't know what else I can say for this intro. I, I just just wanted to state my uh, apology up front that I, I don't feel like this was my best work at all. I, I didn't bring anything to it. Um, like I said, Chris carried it, and he did very wonderfully well, and I really, really super appreciate his time. So... You'll want to go to uh, davidlynchfoundation.org for more info. And then also tm.org. There's links in the show notes. The website is askbrian.com forward slash the podcast. 
Ask Brian is spelled with a Y. Ask B R Y A N dot com. If you're new to the show and you haven't heard that ten thousand times, this show does have sponsors, affiliates, and it helps to pay the bills. I recommend Audible. The link is askbrian.com forward slash audible. You can get the details there. You can get a free audiobook through that link. And then also, if you have an uh, oppositional or defiant teenager, I would highly encourage you to go to needhelpparenting.com. And I think that's it for the money. Um, Also, there is a donate button link on my uh, website. That's a PayPal link. So if you go to askbrian.com, somewhere over on the sidebar, there's a donate button, and then you can send me 38 cents or whatever you can spare. I appreciate that. I sincerely hope you enjoy this show and that it will intrigue you enough to find out more. There we go. All right. That's a cool, monstrous-looking photo. <laughs> Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what... Who knows what uh, picture of me I'm using on my avatar there. It's great. You got a fierce look, a mohawk, and a... Oh, yeah. I see myself there now. Yeah. I'm, I'm not fierce. Don't, don't worry. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> People, it's cool- I it's like probably the number one comment on my podcast is um, people were surprised at my voice. They always expect me to be much more gruff or, <laughs> I don't know, manly or something. It's a, it's a great photo. And you got a good <laughs> voice. So Recently, we've been talking a lot about um, mindfulness, mindful meditation, walking meditation, different meditation techniques. Uh-huh. And... Um, I happened to re- do a little research on the David Lynch Foundation. I was hoping you could tell me some more. Uh, happy to. The David Lynch Foundation was started in 2005 by film director David Lynch, who's been a transcendental meditation practitioner for 35, 40 years, I guess. And uh, he you know, never missed a meditation in all that time and just thinks it's really helped him with his art and his life and to become a happier and better and more productive individual. I think he became aware of some of what was going on, you know, in public education, kids bringing guns into schools, uh, bullying, fights, attention deficit disorder, overstimulation, underperformance, kids tuning out, teachers burning out. And he visited a school here in Fairfield, Iowa, which is home to Marishi University of Management and Marishi School. It was a, it's a four-year college and a K through 12 school where in addition to all the academics, the students practice transcendental meditation, TM for short. And he visited the school. He just saw in his words, these kids were shining like bright pennies. He said, I got to do something. So he started the foundation with the intention of bringing transcendental meditation to school children everywhere 
anyone who wanted it. And since that time, we've brought programs to a number of schools and school systems here in the U.S. and internationally, and have expanded actually beyond that, beyond school kids to uh, veterans with PTSD, uh, people in homeless and rescue programs, um, uh, women's initiatives, um, homeless uh, or correctional and rehabilitation um, environments. And it just seems to translate very well uh, in all these environments and bring immediate relief and long-term benefits, both in terms of relieving, relieving deep-rooted stress and actualizing potential so that people get beyond the just getting through the day um, uh, state to actually enjoying their lives and having happy productive lives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it looks like I I see now so it, it this started with a school-based program but it's expanded into so many so many areas. It was That's I was right. really surprised to see that. I just knew about the public the school angle. Right. So, what brought you in? Uh, I started Transcendental Meditation 43 years ago. <laughs> oh, really? I, I'm, I'm 60 years old now. I started when I was 17 just out of high school. Wow. I had had some friends in high school who learned. Um, I never had much of a you know, spiritual or religious background or inclination, but shortly after graduating from high school, I just started to kind of get curious, and I was interested in, in um, uh, I'd read some Taoism and Buddhism, and I read Thomas Merton and some of the Christian writers, and and I'd remembered that some friends of mine had learned TM in high school. I saw a, a poster advertising a lecture. I I went to hear about it. I wasn't that impressed by the lecture or the lecturer, but I decided I'd learn. I learned, and uh, I just, that was it. Uh, it was really an immediate thing for me to have uh, this direct experience of transcendence right from the very first uh, session. And uh, it was immediate, and it's also been a cumulative thing where the experience has deepened over time, and the benefits uh, you know, all the experience of meditation is very, can be very blissful, expansive. This, the experience of restful alertness, deep, deep, deep physical rest, expansion of awareness, unbounded awareness, silent awareness. The benefits are really seen in activity. So you, you dip into that inner reservoir of peace, creativity, and energy, and then you come out, you just, you integrate it in your activity, and it's an activity you begin to see results in greater clarity and efficiency. Um, supportive nature, just things go your way, life gets better and better. And I saw that for, for myself and um, uh, became a TM teacher in 1971, taught for some time, but also uh, took a, you know, many, many years break from the TM teaching and organization, raised a family, worked in various businesses, but now uh, started with the David Lynch Foundation when it began seven years ago. And I, um, uh, that's my vocation now. Wow, and so what? what is your position there? Senior management, director of programs, and do some uh, development as well. Administration, management. Mm-hmm. And it's been great. It's really very gratifying. It's so, a beautiful, beautiful thing, and it's just very gratifying to see uh, the lives that, uh, that are being touched with this. And so when you're a practitioner of TM... Do you have to make life modifications or, or change your anything else in your life? Or is this something you do like taking a vitamin supplement? You just continue your regular life. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right, Brian. Uh, there are no do's and don'ts. If there are changes that occur 
in life and lifestyle, they'll occur as the result of releasing deep-rooted stress and normalizing the whole physiology and bringing the brain back online. So people will find after learning um, TM and practicing regularly that their behavior may change and may change in a more life-supporting way um, where choices become more you know, more uh, supportive to, to their health and well-being naturally, not through effort, not through strain, not through I ought to, I should, it's, you know, but just uh, they may find the desire for non-productive behaviors just begin to drop away. And that's what a lot of people experience. So there's, there are no do's and don'ts. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the, 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 only, the only maybe, uh, and it's not a don't, it's that uh, when people learn, they're asked to... Uh, they're asked to refrain from using non-prescription drugs for two weeks before learning because it, we found that uh, uh, the use of non-prescription chemicals or drugs, uh, it has a residual effect within the nervous system. We want that first experience with transcending from the very first, uh, from the first personal instruction to be most profound. We don't want it to be foggy or, or vague or uh, sleepy. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's just that's that's a requirement of uh, when people are uh, are are uh, expressing interest to take the course of instruction, and instruction is done personally one on one with a trained teacher, and it's four consecutive days of instruction, about an hour hour and a half each day, and then some sub- subsequent follow up and checking to ensure that the mechanics of the process are correct. And this is important to note what distinguish. Uh, what distinguishes TM from some other practices, and this is not, this is not at all to diminish other meditation practices. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have different benefits. They have different effects. They enliven certain parts of the brain or brain physiology or have different benefits. Um, um, and they uh, have different, there are different modes of practice. Some involve concentration where you focus on a, an item or a mantra or a thought. Others involve or con- contemplative in nature, where they may be more prayer-oriented, um, or they're mindfulness-oriented, where it's kind of an open monitoring, you know, you're just being aware or present to the moment or present to thoughts, trying to witness what, you know, in the moment. TM is unique, in a way, I would say, in that uh, it does involve the use of a mantra or sound, a specific sound vibration that's chosen by the teacher and given at the time of instruction. But as important as that is the use, the proper use of the sound. And the mechanics of TM involve effortlessness. Uh, It's simple, it's easy, it's an innocent thing. It really just involves and utilizes the nature of the mind, the natural tendency of the mind to seek more and more. The tendency of the mind is Mm -hmm. to seek out their charm, greater, greater, uh, uh, or this love or success or power or energy or kindness or happiness, peace, the mind's nature is to seek out more. It seeks more, generally, uh, outside of itself, through the senses, in an outward direction. And TM allows the awareness to very effortlessly turn 180 degrees and naturally settle within, to the source of thought, a field of pure consciousness, pure energy, pure creative intelligence within. Hmm. Yeah, this is one of the puzzles for me, contemplating the idea. I mean... I'm obviously speaking from non-ex... I have no experience with TM, so I apologize if I say something ridiculous. Oh, no, no, no apology necessary, not at all. One of the things that puzzled me was... um, 
I, I'm, I'm, I guess we're talking about an innate or built-in um, power intelligence or something, because when you're talking about helping children by diving within, there would have to be something there pre-existing. Uh, you know, these, these children may not have the... They obviously don't have the proper language, intellect, and things, you know, from the outside world. So That's exactly right. So there's you're a truth exactly. there that we're uncovering? It's an innate human capacity. It's not something learned. It's not something taught. Uh, you know, when you go to sleep at night, I, I, we can draw this parallel. You know, when you go to sleep at night, sleep overtakes naturally. There's no doing. In fact, if you try to sleep, you'll, you can keep yourself awake, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, sleep is not something that comes through an effort. You just, you, you're settled, you're relaxed, your mind starts to somehow, and sleep overtakes, and there you go. And sleep is its own distinct, unique state of consciousness, a state of uh, physiological functioning, distinct from waking and dreaming. Uh, waking, sleeping, dreaming, each have their own distinct physiological and parameters, brain activity, neurological functioning, uh, consciousness, state of consciousness. Uh, in waking, you know, you have, you're alert, you're awake. In sleep, there's no consciousness, there's no alertness. It's inertia. In dreaming, you may have thoughts and mental activity, but not a lot of, necessarily a lot of awareness associated with it. Why it can be hard sometimes to remember what, you, what your dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, this state of restful alertness that uh, is gained through the TM practice that's uh, we can call transcendental consciousness. It's been uh, uh, suggested as a fourth state, distinct from waking, sleeping, and dreaming, as natural, as basic to human functioning, and characterized by deep rest, expanded awareness, um, a, red, a, a quality of rest that can be as deep or deeper than the deepest point of, of night's sleep, but coupled with inner wakefulness. And this is a kind of a unique, it's a unique state of awareness, a unique state of physiological functioning. Uh, new brain research suggests that it has the effect of, of awakening the brain, bringing the brain online, um, flipping the switch to create coherence within the brain, frontal and occipital, hem- both hemispheres, and this global coherence, EEG coherence, is associated with very many very positive uh, effects hmm. in uh, behavior, in moral reasoning, emotional mm-hmm. intelligence, uh, uh, compassion. Uh, so many good human qualities are associ- can be associated with um, this global EEG activity, coherent functioning, and allowing deep, deep-rooted stresses to be removed from the nervous system. These blocks to uh, our just normal capacity to function at a higher potential. Where did the uh, regarding the history of TM? Where where is the development from, and how old is it? Um, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi is the one who would say is responsible for reviving it and popularizing it in the world, and he came out uh, about fifty years ago uh, from India. He gained notoriety because he taught the Beatles in 1967, and um, uh, but he 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 was with a um, so it comes he ascribes it to the Vedic tradition of India, which is an ancient tradition of knowledge, subjective knowledge that predates Hinduism 
is not a religious-based thing, but a system of knowledge that's ancient in origins. And, uh, you know, kind of in our modern age where objective science has made such strides, uh, this Vedic science is really an ancient science of subjective wisdom and subjective knowledge. And he, you know, he, it was really a revival, kind of at the, you know, at the feet of his, of his teacher, who was a very highly esteemed um, master and, and teacher of uh, India in the 1940s and 1950s. Uh, Marishi came out in the late 1950s and traveled the world and taught TM. And uh, it's probably the most thoroughly researched personal development program in the world. I think there have been 600 published, peer-reviewed, published studies. Um, everything from behavioral to neurological to physiological, societal benefits. And, you know, because it's a natural kind of holistic thing that just comes from, from uh, settling into one's own nature deep within, it's a holistic and benign thing. It's not mm -hmm. like taking a drug where you're going to have a side effect or uh, something imposed from the outside. It's, I imagine it's, it's from the inside out. I imagine you you must face some real resistance and pushback from uh, religious communities. Yeah, less and less because I mean uh, in the schools. I mean especially yeah. in with children. There are um, I think because it's such a, so much evidence based, and I think if people look into it, you know there can be a reflexive thing. People hear Maharishi and Indian Guru, and it's, you know, it's this or that's that, or there's misinformation they hear, they see. Uh, you know, so it helps that there are um, Christian priests and Jewish rabbis and, you know, Jesuits uh -huh. and Mormons who have learned TM and find in it of great uh, support and boon for their own religious uh, growth mm, okay and they comment on that mm -hmm. uh, that they see that they that again because it's a human and u universal experience yes it came from this vedic tradition and uh there it, it, it has a cult that cultural context but it's not a religious practice it's a human practice universal yeah in the same way someone used the analogy that uh um uh you know einstein was a swiss born jew but is you know, it was the law of relativity, a Jewish principle of physics. No, <laughs> you know, right. so, so, you know, so we've, and I think also, Brian, in recent years, just the, um, the profile and the advocacy has been such by, you know, people like Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Mehmet Oz and, and people who are, you know, not just faddish celebrities, but people who have credibility and influence who say, this is a good thing. I do it. Uh, it, it works. It, I see how it's helped people. It's kind of undeniable. It's gotten to with kind of a point of undeniability. So if people say this isn't good or it's the work of the devil or this or that, you just have to be kind to those people and, you know, invite them to just relax on their, you know, maybe on their initial response. And if if they have an open mind to take a look and if they don't have, a, have an open mind to just wish them the best. Mm -hmm. Is TM, so what is this considered, a, a guided meditation? Is this something you do on your own? Or? I don't know what guided yeah. means. Right, I hear that all the time. 
So I'm what just is, parroting something I've heard. <laughs> what does guided mean? I hear it every time I hear the word meditation. I always hear the word guided in front of it. I don't know what guided means unless it means uh, you have someone guide you through the thing. I, I don't know. Um, no, it's something you do on your own. You just you sit quietly, eyes closed, no special posture, no special environment. You meditate on a train or a plane, and uh, you close the eyes. You begin the, this practice. It's a mental technique, and the thing just works. Mm-hmm. You have this ex- the experience of of mind settling down, body settling down, and mind and body mirror each other. As, as the mind settles, the body settles. You feel deep physical relaxation. Mind settles. Beyond, you know, you've experienced the, and I think it's a, it's, I would say it's a cumulative thing, uh, where, uh, the nervous system becomes habituated to this swing from activity to deep silence. And over time, the experience deepens and the, 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 the physiology, the nervous system, uh, uh, acclimate more to this experience of settling down, transcending. So over time, this experience of transcending becomes more and more and more clear. At the beginning, it can be the, an experience of, I, you know, I, I disappeared for a few minutes. I don't know where I was. I know I wasn't sleeping, mm-hmm. but I don't know where I was. I wasn't thinking either. Where'd I go? In time, that, that experience becomes more clear, more available to, uh, you know, the, the subtle aspects of mind can, you know, have, have, just have capacity to experience with more clarity. And you experience more clearly that experience of clear transcendence of unbounded awareness. And, and again, the, the, the whole purpose is, not for the sake of escape, of going, you know, into some samadhi state and, and not, you know, not being a living a practical life. The value is you meditate twice in the more, uh, twice a day, morning and afternoon, about 20 minutes. You take that dive and you come out, you come out refreshed. You come out and you bring those qualities of greater creativity and energy and peace and love and, and expansion from within. You bring it without. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I could see for some people this might, it, it seems like it could be a little scary, especially if a person has no trust in their, in themselves. What if someone's just completely broken and they feel that they have no confidence in themselves or they don't even believe they're a good person? I could see this as yeah, being a well, major for, stumbling well, block. Yeah, yeah, belief doesn't really, belief doesn't have anything more to do with it than when you fall asleep at night. You can be a this person or that person, your mental state, your emotional life can be this or that. But sleep is a universal thing. Everyone knows what it is to have a good night's sleep. Okay, and, so there's, it's not a buy-in. You don't have to have no, uh, no, no. a leap fact, of faith. Absolutely no. No, not a faith, not a philosophy. Again, it's as mechanical, a, physiolo- a kind of a, a natural mental and physiological experience as sleep is. Only, we're in sleep, we move from waking to deep inertia. Here we move from waking to greater alertness, greater internal awareness, and deep physiological rest. Mm. So it's not a belief thing. You know, a person can be okay. entirely skeptical. Skeptical. They just follow the instruction with a teacher, and the teacher does guide them through that first meditation. But it's not a guided thing. You're not. You know. You don't sit. You don't. It's not like okay. Now I'm going to do this. Now I intend that. Now I'm going to try. Try to control my mind or shut out thoughts. There's no trying. There's no effort. It's an effortless process. Mm. It's simple. It's innocent. It's natural. It goes by itself. Which, it's like diving off a diving board. You just take the right angle. Yeah. Is there any doing involved in following, falling off the diving board? No. You take the right angle, you lean forward, and gravity takes care of it, uh-huh. right? It's just what you want to do. You want to make take sure you take the right angle so you, it's a smooth dive in the water. 
And so we're talking a little bit of practice. Uh, just, but you get it right from the start. Yeah. You get it right from the start. There's no, uh, you know, the brain waves of a brand new meditator are as profound in their, you know, in their uh, coherence as brain waves of a 10 year meditator. Hmm. Would some critics say that this is maybe just a form of like self hypnosis or something? Yeah, some critics will say anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think that uh, again, you just you look at the science, and uh, it's evident. You talk, you see people, talk to people. It's not a uh, you know. I've never been hypnotized, but I can imagine what hypnosis is. You're surrendering to some suggestion. Um, you lose yourself, perhaps. I mean, you see people on the stage, right? They think they're a duck, you know, or whatever. Right. Um, it's not an auto. It's not an auto suggestion thing. You don't lose yourself. You gain yourself. In fact, if anything, that's the experience. You like, you know, this is this is like the this is like pure me. This is self. This is self realization. If it could say there's a self within, you know, what is that? Who is it? Who 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 witnesses the thoughts? Who who's behind? You know, who's <laughs> Who is the awareness that's watching all this? Mm-hmm. This is the experience of pure, this pure state of awareness. The self knows itself. And in that, the self wakes up. And, be, you know, really, life, life gets better and better. And the, so the proof of the pudding is in the tasting. And life unfolds in a way that just is very, uh, very holistic and very, very beautiful. So mm-hmm. it's just very gratifying, of course, to see... You know, we bring our program through David Lynch Foundation to many at-risk populations. But this is something for the most successful people in society, too. It's not just for the suffering, you know, and the, and the uh, you know, the stressed and the, those in pain. Um, people who are successful in life and who are, have it together, uh, they, even they know that there can be more. There can be more. Yeah, so we've been talking about transcendental meditation as a, as a whole, but we, we should get back to the actual work of the David Lynch Foundation. Whatever that's, you want. That's really the reason. And then maybe we'll jump back in there. I got a few other sure. ideas will pop up. But Sure. So what are we trying to achieve here? What are we trying to achieve? <laughs> yeah. Well, David <laughs> decided to start a foundation. I, he must have yeah. had a goal. It wasn't just a mindless thing to do. I know. He's a busy to. person. He's an artist, but yeah, yet yeah. he started a, you know, um, a nonprofit company. I mean, it's, yeah. these are undertakings of, you know. Yeah. Do you know David's movies? Yes, I do. Yeah, I, you know, I'm a big movie fan. I've seen his movies. They're, you know, they're pretty. Some of them are pretty dark, and create a dark atmosphere. They don't shy away from traumatic sure. behavior and this and that. David himself, it's so interesting. David himself is like just, he's hes a saint. The guy is amazing. He's got the purest heart and the clearest mind and the greatest intuition. He's just really, really an enlightened guy. Just amazing. And it may seem like there's some kind of dichotomy between, you know, this amazing man who wants to help enlighten the world. And why does he make these crazy films? And, but there's no there's no dissonance when you talk to David. There's no there's no disconnect. Mm-hmm. Entirely congruent with just who he is and and his his inclinations as an artist. And um, so he's very congruent in that way. But he you know he 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 knows what this TM is and what it can do. He knows the potential of life to be 
very sweet and perfect. And, you know, I mean, it's, you just want that for the world. You want it for what you want for yourself, you want for the world. And it's a natural thing. And it's as natural as if you have a favorite restaurant, you want to tell your friends because you know they'll enjoy it. So he just wants people to have the benefit of this knowledge mm-hmm. and this technology. And we just started out this way to kind of bring it to, the, to at risk people who, who couldn't um, uh, you know, afford to learn. There's a cost to learning. There's personal instruction to follow up with the teacher. And the teachers need to make a living. They're, they're, no one lives extravagantly. This isn't, uh, you know, this isn't anything. Uh, people do it as a labor of love. They become teachers and, and work as teachers at TM. Uh, but to bring it to the people that, you know, just wouldn't have an ac- have access to it otherwise. So we're, we're, our foundation is all supported philanthropically. And uh, we've been very fortunate to have a lot of support from very wonderful people. And uh, the money that comes in, we, you know, we, we used for programs to bring TM to. We're working now with a lot of vet organizations, veterans organizations and military bases that's starting to really go because these poor people, they come back from these engagements in Iraq and Afghanistan. They're just so damaged and so traumatized. They can't sleep and they're on edge. And, you know, their, their, their brains have just been, been so hyper stimulated. They just can't relax. Mm-hmm. They can't live a life. And there's so many, so much suicidal ideation, and it's just so sad. And they learn TM, and they just get relief right away because it really has this effect of awakening, waking up the brain, and, and clearing up, just allowing these stresses to go. So that's been some of the most gratifying to see these uh, men and women who have PTSD and military sexual trauma or whatever just get really immediate results and relief, um, and sustained. You know, and it, and it does require. Uh, Brian, I'll say it does mm-hmm. require uh, practice and con- uh, compliance and continuity and regularity. It's like anything, you know, if you like working out or like you say, taking the vitamins. Um, the discipline of it is self-reinforcing because the experience of meditation itself is can be very pleasing and pleasant um, and blissful even. But it still requires just the ongoing regularity of practice to really uh, cement the the results over time. Okay, so for example, how how was this implemented in schools? You're working with children. Do you you go in a gymnasium and they just they actually take some time away from their day, it's or do done they need concert. to go to school early and stay yeah. late, or what? The school will um, uh, the school will adopt it actually at you know the administration. Uh, the way it goes, if a school administration is, has, has heard about it or is interested. Um, we'll, we'll present to them. We'll, they do their due diligence. Often we'll instruct the, uh, some of the top leadership in the administration so they can have firsthand experience, the TM experience. And then they may present to their faculty. And there, there has to be sufficient faculty buy-in that they see this as something that will really benefit the whole school. And not just the troubled kids, but everyone. And them. That, that it can really create a change in atmosphere, collective change in the atmosphere of the school, as well as it really help individually kids with their, their stress, their behavior, their focus, their performance. And so if they opt for it, it's uh, done as a twice-a-day quiet time where they actually take minutes out of the curriculum in the morning and afternoon, and they have a quiet time period in the morning and afternoon. It's an optional thing. Parents have to give their permission. Some kids opt out. Those kids may do some silent reading when the other kids are meditating. 
but um, then it's done twice a day in the school day. And it's had really, really great effects. We've um, been a very have had a very successful program now for five years with some schools in the San Francisco Unified School District. And there's really great support from the from the school district for this. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we're just we're, we're looking to get more funding so we can engage more TM teachers to teach in more schools. I was say, so you have to have a TM teacher there with them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, but but what happens over time? The school becomes more kind of adept to the teachers. The school teachers will uh, lead the quiet time session, and there's not much to lead. It's you know, close the eyes. Okay, let's begin. And then at the end of ten or fifteen minutes for the kids, they, you know, they they uh, you know they come out. But um, there's the checking, the regular checking of the meditation, which is um, recommended. <coughs> excuse me, recommended in the first months and first year of of learning just it's like a tune-up just mm-hmm. to make sure that everything's the mechanics of the practice are right that sometimes there could be a tendency to introduce effort and try like you can you have a great meditation you go have you're really clear oh that was great i'd like to try and get that again and that trying is an impediment just like i said when you try to fall asleep you you, you know it doesn't work that way mm. It, it requires effortlessness. So you you can't go in here looking for an answer or a solution to a problem. Then that's not what it's about anymore. Yeah. That I mean, look, just I'll use that example again. Mm-hmm. Sleep. When you sleep, what happens? Nature's intelligence takes over. It's not a. There's no volition when you're sleeping, and yet the brain rejuvenates, the body rejuvenates, the cell rejuvenate. Right? Mm-hmm. All the stuff that goes on in the body during sleep that goes on at you know repair and you know. Uh, repair and rejuvenation it's a kind of it goes on you know automatically right yeah but the same thing with tm there's no you don't meditate with the intention that you know i want to stop smoking i'll meditate to do this or do that i want to be this or be that no it's it it, it requires a degree of innocence mm-hmm. and effortlessness in that same way and you settle down and thought becomes finer 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 thought is transcended what happens when thought is transcended? What's left? Awareness, pure awareness. Deep, deep rest. Deep state of rest. And then when you come out of the meditation, you carry that with you. And what happens? Life gets better. You feel more bright. You feel more alert. You feel more You feel more peacefulness. You're more kind. You're more balanced. <laughs> so the results have come, come outside. And with the kids in the school, among the first things they see is... There's less uh, anger. There's more impulse control. They may not even know why. But they'll say, you know, my first kind of normally some uh, my buddy disses me and I'll, my first reaction is I'll hit him. Mm-hmm. Well, ever since I started the TM, I, you know, I don't know why. I just, you know, I pause for a minute and I think, oh, I don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. And now these are, you know, 10, 11, 12-year-old kids. These are not – so there's, it's just it's a spontaneous, spontaneous outcome of this – fourth state of consciousness experience. And whatever happens as a result happens, but it happens enough uh, positive, you know, positive direction that it's evident to families, parents, teachers, and, you know, schools that were fight schools and tense and stressed, Mm -hmm. they just become like harmonious and peaceful. It's amazing. So how are, do schools, are schools reaching out to you? Does that, is this, yeah. they, have to, yeah. they have to contact you and ask for more info? They are. And for us, it's, uh, um, 
you know, a lot of funding thing because there's so much pressure right now in public funding and pub- public education. They're cutting back. They're just, uh, you know, we're just, we're looking first, you know, uh, you know, we're doing grant writing and we're working with schools now to, to try to get the funding. I mean, you know, they, they just need to incorporate this. They just need to make this. And some, several of the schools that we're working with are, they're actually, uh, incorporating a quiet, we call it TM quiet time. They're incorporating quiet time within kind of their staff or faculty responsibilities. So they may have, you know, uh, the job description, one of their staff may be quiet time administrator. And they still need, we still need a trained TM teacher to come on site to do the instruction and help with the follow up. But there's a lot the school itself can do to kind of maintain the program once it's in place. Okay. Is this helpful? Am I giving you a picture on it? I love it. Yeah. It's, it's excellent. Yeah. I think oh. so. Good. And then we're working with other populations as well. So use this overarching term, um, at risk, a lot, like at risk youth, I think. Right. right. I know some people object to the use of it. Um, yeah. Do you have a better term? I don't yeah, know. I know. I don't know yet. I'm just. If there is, I'm happy to use it. Okay. I mean, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to diminish. It's not to diminish anyone. But I, I would, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, we don't want anyone to feel like diminished or they're less than. And like I said, it's you know, it's uh, it's just there are populations that I would say are underserved. Mm-hmm. Really, you know, um, you know, and I guess they they are at risk for, you know, for in the schools for gang recruitment, for drug use, for, um, you know, for behaviors and you know that are that just that are not so life supporting and positive behaviors yeah and how do you inoculate them how do you inoculate them this we could say it's like it's a, it's a brain based approach it's just kind of a natural internal from the inside out it's not a learned behavior yeah so i think i saw a term consciousness-based education is that what you were kind of referring to there right 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 that's that's a term marishi came came out with years ago oh, okay and the idea there if you want to comment on that real quick yes, please you know our t- traditional education it's um it's information based and it's uh you know it's through reading and lecturing and and absorbing hearing seeing information taking information in <clears throat> and it's um you know, you learn a field, and you learn you learn about whatever history, geography, physics, mm-hmm. algebra, and um, what Marishi kind of his unique contribution in bringing out this understanding of the, the inner person and the capacity of the person of the inner person was he said it's great to have this emphasis on knowledge and the fields the fields of knowledge, but let if, if attention were put as well on the knower and increasing the capacity of the knower to know, increasing the capacity of the knower to, to have knowledge be relevant. So this was kind of a, just a new look at how do people learn? Mm-hmm. What is the capacity of people to learn? Why don't people learn? That, that by approaching education in addition to all the tradition, you know, the traditional avenues of learning is give people the experience of self that the capacity, the container of knowledge expands. What's learned becomes more relevant. Learning becomes more joyful. 
retention is better. So that's the basis of this, what we'd say, a consciousness-based education hmm. approach. It's dealing, you know, consciousness, human awareness, it's fundamental. Knowledge is gained, brought in, digested, assimilated, synthesized on the basis of our awareness. Foggy awareness, sleepy awareness, you didn't get a good night's sleep, you can hear, you can read the same paragraph in a book over and over, you know, keep your attention on the thing and, and get it. You're fresh, you're awake, one time you read it and you got it. So it's just putting a premium or putting attention on the idea of expanding, of opening the inner capacity of the student to be learning ready, to, to uh, uh, be able to receive knowledge more readily, that the knowledge becomes more relevant, that their ability, performance and, mm-hmm. and execution, that clarity is greater. So that's consciousness-based education. So, how does someone get started to expand their consciousness? <laughs> what, do we, what do you need to do first? You gotta have- there are TM teachers and TM centers all over the country and all over the world. There's a website, tm.org. You can find a teacher near you. you can, uh, it, you, there's, a, there's steps to the process. You, uh, you hear an introduction, like a, a talk, introductory talk that explains the benefits a little bit what TM is, what it isn't, answer questions about it. Um, uh, preparation to learning, uh, an interview process with a teacher, and then scheduling four days of personal instruction, followed mm-hmm. up by the periodic checking. And um, it's a course of instruction. It's like a professional, it's like a training program, like any training program, but um, it requires personal instruction. It's not something we learn from a book or a CD or online. Okay, so uh, that's the other thing I was going to ask. This really needs to be done in person. Yeah, that's my experience. Okay. And the experience of many. Um, you know, we, we, we teach a lot of people who have done other meditation techniques, and again, this is not to diminish them at all, because anyone who, I think, I just have admiration for anyone who devotes themselves to, you know, to to a practice like that for personal development and make themselves a better person. A common common comment from people who have done other meditation practices is this is so easy. This is so simple, but profound. It's not a, it's not meditation light. It's very profound. Um, so, and what I think kind of the characteristics that make it somewhat unique are this effortlessness, natural, it's simple to do, and children can do it. And uh, results are holistic and uh, immediate as well as long-term. So are you working with on any special projects or programs right now that you are excited to, you know, to tell us about? Well, there's so much, so much wonderful happening. I, I, I help to manage a number of projects. Okay. This project in San Francisco is just wonderful um, with the school district there. We have a couple of schools in L.A., schools in Detroit and D.C., a lot of the, the uh, a lot of the programs that are really taking off now are with the vets and uh, uh, on some military bases in Washington, in Arizona, in Georgia, uh, in California, Camp Pendleton, Fort Gordon. There's just activity beginning with some of their warrior transition units. These are servicemen and women who are you know coming back from overseas and they're just uh, either 
they're going to get integrated back into the you know military activity or released civilian life, but they're they're struggling. They're having problems, and you know, we've been able to help a lot of these people. Um, there are homeless programs. There's some programs for girls rescued from uh, uh, you know prostitution and you know Los Angeles in Cambodia too. We have programs overseas. There's a lot of activity in you know nationally now in countries like Brazil and Mexico where the governments are uh, looking to adopt this in a very significant way um, and utilize it for all of their schools. And you're really telling me there's this much power inside of individual people? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm a... what's so hard to believe? I don't. You... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, everything's are <clears throat> things are think, so broken. You, I would think, think it's that, in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I was talking over you. I'm sorry. What do you think's in there? This is the thing. I things are so bad and so broken. I, I, I don't know. I, why is yeah, I, I don't know. It's a bit confusing for me. I guess I this resource has to be untapped. It's just like it's like a re, it's like a uh, natural resource. It's like having a natural gas well in your backyard. And yeah, no, yeah, yeah, and you know, no it's, well. And it, that's right. That's right. It is. You know, look, uh, how many religions have you know said that the treasury within, the kingdom of heaven within, you know, samadhi, nirvana, that that exalted state of human life. But you look around, you know, do you see it? You know, where is it? Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are the bright lights in the world, and they do, they, you know, they've stood out over time. But, you know, it's not the birthright, it's not the right of just one person, fortunate person that, you know, God's grace shines on them, you know, and they're happy and wonderful in a wretched world. It's everyone's birthright, and we just need to bring this to as many as want it. Not everyone's ready, not everyone wants it, not everyone, you know, it's like there's mass you know, <laughs> mass psychosis or mm-hmm. the world is slumbering. Because you look at all the, you just look at the the cruelty and the, the self-serving and the greed and the, yeah, and it can it can make you very cynical. It can make you very cynical. Oh, so yeah, that's where me. Do you, so where, <laughs> so where do, yeah, where do, you know, my, just my feeling is, you know, okay, so you want to fix the world, you know, we'll start with you, fix right. you. Mm-hmm. And if you could fix you, you may find that that there's some hope for the world. <laughs> okay, I'm buying it so far. I don't know if that, I'm, 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 I'm getting closer now. I don't know if that sounds too simplistic. That I'm well, just this is one person's opinion here. Obviously, this also is obviously something that needs to be experienced for an individual. I mean, you can look at data all day, but exactly. there's very few people who will be swayed by that. Exactly. I do a lot of research into health and nutrition and different um, diet and lifestyle choices. Yes. And I, I've seen the same thing there where you can present anyone with a mountain of evidence and that it doesn't mean anything. But if you can get someone to reach some minimum buy-in and get some results, then things change. I, I think you're right, Brian. And again, this is experiential. This, yeah. is, not, this is not a belief. This is not getting someone to buy into a... You know, you should become a social activist in this area. You should adopt this nutritional or dietary regimen. You know, you know it's good to work out. You know, this is not a belief. This is not a philosophy, not a something added on from the outside. This is an experiential thing. And it, it is, you know, like eating a mango, okay? you I could describe mango to you all day, and if you've never taken a bite, 
you don't know what I'm talking about, really. Mm-hmm. I can say it's got the sweetness of, you've had a peach, yeah. It's got the sweetness <laughs> of a peach, but uh-huh. it's not quite like a peach. Right. It's this or it's that, or it's kind of like that, or it's kind of like that. But you take a bite and you have the experience and then you go, okay, that's mango. And this experience of effortless transcending, it's a human experience and it just has to be experienced to be known. And once it's known, it's very self-evident. And so, although this sound, it's, it sounds very altruistic, I mean, you, you exist and you're telling other people about it, yet you said that this is a professional, the, the teachers are professionals and they, they do charge. What, yes. Is there a standard fee? Is it regional? Or how does that work? No, it's, it, it's different all around the world. Here in the U.S., for the course of instruction, it's, uh, and this is kind of, it's like a lifetime course, in a way. It's a lifetime program, we can say, because it's not like there's structured courses every month and every whatever. But, you know, someone learns, and 10 years from now, they want to get their meditation checked in Pittsburgh, you know, it's the person that paid 10 years ago that's keeping the lights on. It's the person who's paying now that's keeping the lights on and the bill, you know, mm-hmm. so that TM office can be open and you can go get your meditation checked by a teacher there at no charge. So uh, it's $1,500 for the course of instruction, lifetime course. For students and hardship, people with, you know, demonstrated financial hardship, it's 750 And there are scholarships, too, for people that, you know, for for whom that is a stretch or not possible. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the local centers have local scholarship funds. The David Lynch Foundation, while we don't so much do individual scholarship support except for the vets, um, you know, our program, you know, we, we bring the TM, we pay mm-hmm. for the, we pay the TM teacher organization, the TM teachers for the instruction. Um, but, you know, we don't charge when the kids learn in school. We don't charge when the vets learn on the base. Mm-hmm. We don't charge when they, when they learn in the homeless program. So it's a gift for those that want it and will appreciate it. Uh, the money angle is a little difficult for me. Um, I just, well, I, just about- I just despise money and I, I just hate it. So, <laughs> okay, I understand. And that's only because I've lost it all. If I had become, <laughs> if I had done my exact, this, say the previous course I was on, if I had become successful, I'd be a completely different person. But it was only because of my failure that I, I think that I have a different perspective. Um, well, it, it kind of gives me a headache to even think about, oh, for me to get some healing, I have to go and, and, and somehow scrape together $1,500 when um, we're, my family's on food stamps and I, I don't work. So, like I said, there are hardship rates. There's scholarship funds available from time to time with local mm-hmm. centers. Um, we understand that. So, you know, we don't want to deny anyone. And, you know, it's interesting. I mean, it is, it is, uh, you know, and I, I understand it. I understand the feeling. This is a human thing. It's like a basic right. You're, you know, Chris, you're saying this is a universal um, capacity of every individual to have this, mm-hmm. you know, opportunity and this, this, this healing. Right. Why don't you just make it available to everyone? But I don't know if it's fair to liken it to, you know, the, in a way, Food, you know, what could be more basic human right than food? You got to eat to live. But do we not figure that the farmer has to make a living and the mm-hmm. people who grow the food and bring it to market? You know, we, we accept that, I guess. We accept it, that that's the norm. And yes, there are food kitchens. And yes, there are, mm-hmm. there's help for those that can't. But that's 
a norm we accept. And um, so our desire is not to make this exclusive or deny anyone. And ultimately, you know, it was Marsh's intention that governments adopt it, that insurance companies pay for it, that it become really institutionalized. And the society support the TM teachers so they can um, just, you know, not even extravagant, but just a, a comfortable professionals. They don't, you know, they don't make the money doctors make or lawyers make. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so, you know, anyway, that's just one perspective on that. But I know it's an issue for many people. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I have an actual emotional attachment to dollars now, and that's very unfortunate. But I know that that's a reality for so many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And everyone has a different take on it and different feeling about sure, it. Sure. You know, I mean, I will say in this society too, sometimes, you know, people, and it is just a, a, a conditioning of the society that that they assign value based on what they have to pay for something. And people don't have some skin in the game. There's There can be a devaluing or they can treat it rather casually. So there is something to be said for making... You know, the money can be like almost like a symbol of commitment, a symbol of your commitment. Mm-hmm. Oh, just real quick. So there's no ongoing costs and you don't have to pay more to get up, go up the ranks or anything or <laughs> anything like that. No, you, no, now they're, they're over, you know, if someone wants to dive more deeply into it, there's, there are, you know, a weekend retreat or um, some, you know, some advanced tra- advanced training, but for to learn TM and to get all the value from the thing for a lifetime, it's a one-time, it's a one-time thing at the okay. beginning. All right. And, and for ten years, twenty years, thirty years, look, I learned forty years two years ago. If I want to go into the TM center in Los Angeles or New York, and uh, you know, I have asked them to check my meditation, or whatever, you know, it's it's that's that's a service they provide forty years later yeah. for the for the money I paid in nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, yeah. maybe I'll get involved and help spread the word, the message about alternative currencies and community-based <laughs> currencies so that we don't have to use Good. greenbacks. Good. Well, you know, hey, I'm I can, all... I can show $1,500 of uh, alternative currency value. I'm so. all for a more enlightened approach to commerce. Yeah. Maybe that'll be my next mission. <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> all right, so... We have the David Lynch Foundation. You're out there helping uh, at-risk youth, military women, American Indians, homeless, and in prisons. I mean, it's pretty, it's really impressive. I wanted to learn more. Um, I I imagine people should go to davidlynchfoundation.org. Sure, welcome them to go to the David Lynch Foundation site and Mm -hmm. watch a video or see what we're doing. Sure. And what what else is out there? Offer people to learn. Are there seminars um, more? Well, again, at, I think www.tm.org to learn more about it, to see where there's a teacher near you if you're interested. It, you know, there's a lot of the information there on the website kind of to orient a person and have them see if it, they think it's something for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, Chris, I want to thank you for your time. It was rather enlightening. I mean, it's a tough one for me because I, it's 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 a bit strange. You're talking about consciousness expansion, and yeah, I have a dimwit and I don't have an open mind, so it's a tough <laughs> one. But um, I think I'm gonna <clears throat> give this a, at least a somewhat of an effort and check it out a little more. 
And, There's uh, a great book by a uh, book that came out this last year by uh, Dr. Norman Rosenthal called Transcendence. Okay. And um, recommend picking that up from Amazon or from your local library. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a great kind of introduction to the whole thing about transcendence and transcending. Um, His name again? Norman Rosenthal, Dr. Norman Rosenthal. Okay. Uh, he was the one who discovered this uh, was sad seasonal affective disorder, you know, where yeah. people can, can help their depression by light therapy. Sure. Really great guy, and he studied TM and this whole thing for a while and wrote a book. Um, well, you know, look, I think you've been very fair in your questions and very open-minded, and it's, it is, you know, I mean, it is... It is a kind of a, an astonishing proposition, you know, that things. Yeah, and the thing so is, I'm not here. I'm not here to run a commercial, and I'm also not here to challenge you on every point either. No, I understand. I hope yeah. I have. It's just a conversation, really. Yeah, I hope, and I hope I haven't come across as too proselytizing or salesy or anything. I really do my best to just speak from my personal experience on that's things. a great place to speak from <laughs> yeah yeah uh, and I hope I hope that that's come through a little bit I think so, so yeah yeah I feel so and I'm happy Brian you ever have a question I mean you just you know call me offline or yeah sure from your listeners if they if anyone wants to uh, email Chris at David Lynch foundation.org happy to talk to them that's very nice very nice offer okay and um I will look into more um, more about it. Uh, the, the work's too, it's just looks, it's too intriguing and too important to ignore. So, well, if you, I mean, I'm again, I'm not trying to sell you here. So, I mean, it, you know, I, I just, I'm happy to have a, had a chance to meet you on the phone here and, and talk with you and have enjoyed the exchange. And I just, you know, wish, certainly want to wish you the very best in life. Well, thanks. You know? it, and it's not, yeah, it's not just me. It's, a, you know, I had a psychiatrist on and, you know, she said, I don't know what the number was. Ninety plus percent of people that she sees, they have it's stress. They yeah. they can't deal with their li- the stress in their lives. So yeah, yeah. Even we find like the you know people very successful in life, you know people well known in society in 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 culture or entertainment or business or government, and these people they can't sleep. You mm-hmm. know they can't fall asleep at night without taking a pill. There's just like, you know, it's like information overload and the demands are so great and they just can't dial it down. And they're really looking, looking, you know, looking for some, some balance in life. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's the, it's the malady of our age, I guess. Intriguing. Okay. <laughs> I'll report uh, back to you if I. Oh, yeah, do. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know how it goes for me. All right. <laughs> Give me a report. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely, definitely. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on. Thanks for your time, Chris. All right, Brian. Bye now. Okay, take care. Bye-bye.